Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. 500 nerds! If I could only find a man like Aragorn. I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita. And this is the Nerdette Podcast. We asked for your nerdiest summer camp stories, and you didn't disappoint. Autopsies. Mormons. Time travel. Let's jump in with Shannon Heffernan. She's a radio producer and reporter at WBEZ in Chicago. And she says the six years she spent in Mormon summer camp made her a feminist. Which was maybe not their intent. I was a Mormon for a period of time. I now am not. That was how I ended up in Mormon camps. My best friend from fifth grade, her name was Erin. Her family was Mormon, and I loved her family. So I spent a lot of time there. Wow, that's really interesting. The only former Mormon stories I've heard have been, like, kids of Mormons who rebel hard. I grew up in a family that was very non-religious, but also when I was growing up there was a lot of chaos. Not my parents, but people like aunts and uncles and my grandma were all kind of a little on the edge. There was a lot of drug use and alcoholism and things like that. And so all the girls in my family, our whole generation, rebelled in the opposite direction. My sisters went with the evangelicals and the Baptists. I chose the Mormons. (laughs) And your parents were kind of just to each child their own denomination. Yep. Wow. So how many siblings do you have? I have two sisters. Okay. And are they still religious? Yep. They're both still religious. How did Mormon camp come about then? You're friends with Aaron, fifth grade. Each summer after sixth grade, you could go to Mormon summer camp. And I have to tell you, if you ever get the chance to go to Mormon summer camp, you should go. It is the best camp. And I also went to the Baptist camp with my sisters. Mormon camp wins. Okay, why? Hands down. (laughs) Why is Mormon camp so great? When you think about the Mormons, your first perception on how they do on women's issues and gender issues, what do you think? Not so hot. Yeah, I would say not so hot. Right. And and I think that's true in in terms of a lot of their theology. Women don't get the priesthood. Um, They're generally told that their place is in the home. You're having a lot of babies. Totally. But, But where I learned feminism and learned to, like, really appreciate, like, women was at Mormon summer camp. And it's because it was a pure gender environment. It was all women. And because there's such a history of pioneering amongst the Mormons, we did a lot of, like, really rugged camping. And we were really pushed to be tough. And it was awesome. That's really cool. Who's leading this camp? Who's in charge? The leader of my group was actually my best friend's mom, Leslie. She was the best leader there because she would say we had cabins, but she said we're not staying in the cabins. And we took our sleeping bags out. We slept outside. We did this trail hike with these gigantic hand carts. When the wheels broke on our hand cart, we carried it because it was like this pioneering spirit that you were supposed to push. Oh, that's super intense. Yeah, it was great. And it's so different than when you think of an all-girl environment, especially young girls. You're picturing things that don't involve any of that do-it-yourself physical activity, right? Stereotypically, it would be a lot of sitting down and doing crafts at a table or things like that. This sounds... skinny debt with our leader in like this way where she was like, yeah, you're going to go on an adventure. This is your time. 
And it was also like a safe way to rebel, you know? Yeah, that's really, really cool. And we'll take you in the middle of the woods, do whatever you want for a while. And were these girls that you sort of went to school with and stuff too, or were they camp friends? Your church group's there. So most of those people I would see every Wednesday night and then every Sunday for three hours. So they were pretty involved in my life. But you also mix with other churches. And those other churches I always saw once a month at youth dances. Um, Mormons also have to say, in addition to having great summer camps, have great dance parties. That is really interesting (laughs) that, you know, things that I do initially think of as not necessarily super progressive when it comes to women's issues kind of force you into that mindset that totally does result in really strong, positive thought about your gender. Yeah. I mean, it's surprising when I look back on it, I have really mixed feelings because to some extent I was taught these things that, that I later in life, things about, you know, like being gay or um, being a woman who wants to take on traditionally male roles that now, of course, have completely different feelings about. But it's also like where I learned that hanging out with women is super cool and super fun and super exciting. And it's where I formed my like closest female relationships when I was younger. And I, I still feel really positively about it. Did you notice in yourself or in some of these other girls a different switch get turned when they were in that environment and then if you saw them at school or in these places where they were in that mixed gender environment did some of that go away or did they sort of keep that strength in other environments after camp I definitely think it showed up a lot more at camp especially that like willingness to be really rebellious and also we were really encouraged to be very modest in our dress but like when you were at girls camp it was all girls and the idea that there could be like lesbians at camp was like not something that people would even think about so it was thought of as this like completely desexualized environment so you could be a lot more wild right it makes sense that if sexuality is off the table then you can you know you don't have to worry about covering yourself and whatever yeah in the same way you know like I said we could go skinny dipping and that wasn't a big deal I think the other thing I think this is true for a lot of religious youth when you're a teenager you have so many emotions like there's just so much feeling all of them all the time and then you go to this place where you're talking about god and you're there's a campfire and people are singing songs and they're sharing their testimony and suddenly there's a place for all those big feelings that don't make sense anywhere else that was really comforting and so you you form really tight bonds and now it's actually kind of sad like i talked to my my best friend aaron and I felt this closeness with her then, and now, I mean, she's still very religious, and it's really hard to share things with her about my life. It'd probably be pretty easy to argue that you and Erin were both really strongly affected by this camp, but you took such divergent lessons from it. Completely, yeah. She, she, you know, she got married in the temple. She still goes to church three hours every Sunday. She was a youth group leader. We have, I can't even tell you, like, some secret words we have between ourselves that we still use when we talk on the phone, but... But she feels so far away. And strangely, it's because of a lot of the stuff about gender, about the church, that I feel like I can't talk to her. So it's this really sort of mixed up memory for me. If you had kids, would you sort of put up with the political things you disagree with to get them that kind of experience? Or do you feel like there's a sort of a void? Because you're saying there's amazing things that come out of being a part of these youth-empowering, religiously motivated activities. Yeah. I don't know what I would do. And I also, like, now... You know, the way I think about gender isn't so dichotomous. So, like, even telling my kid, hey, go to a girls' camp would be complicated. It's a funny thing, and I'm not sure how, you know, 
if I have kids, I'd handle that. Especially if I had a child who identified as a girl. I don't, I don't know how I would give her that. You would have to be the group leader and just convince a bunch of other parents that you were going to take their kids into the woods, right? too, and recreate it yourself. But what do yeah. you do about that God feeling when my kid's having all these big feelings? I don't know what to give them for that. I don't know where to tell them to put those emotions. I'm an atheist now, basically. Mormons literally believe, and this sounds both beautiful and crazy, that the faithful will become gods. That we're all destined, we came from a god, we will be a god, we will get our own planets. So when we sit underneath the stars at camp, they'd be like, those planets belong to mother and father gods, and you one day could be a mother, a mother god. I don't know where, what I can do with that thought now. I mean, I'm just hoping to, like, make it through the rest of Friday. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Do you feel like you're missing something now? Is there a thing that you had then that you don't now, you know, peace of mind or? I mean, I don't think I actually had any more peace of mind then. I just had a place to put big feelings. And now I don't have that. And sometimes I miss it and I'm jealous of people who can still have it. But but I also don't have sort of that anxiety that there's something in my life that's not enmeshed with, with where I am. So for the biggest consequence is just the people you lose when you leave a church. And for you, the stakes were pretty high because it was your whole social circle, but you did have your parents to sort mm-hmm. of fall back to. That's true. Right? How, mm-hmm. how was that transition for them when you said, I'm done with this? I think my parents were relieved. You know, if I would have stayed in the Mormon church, I would have gotten married in a temple and they would not have been able to come. We all kind of pretend like that phase of my life didn't happen. But it made you a feminist. It's true, but it made me a feminist. So if you could do it all over again, would you? Same way? Yes, 100%. <laughs> Thanks to Shannon Heffernan for sharing her summer camp story. And for teaching us a Mormon camp song. Which you'll get a taste of later. After our first episode, we got an amazing email from Kelly Jones. She's a producer on a cool project in Canada called Pioneer Radio. Her summer camp experience was the result of some parental intervention. X-Files was really hitting its peak. And I knew that what I wanted to do with my life was not study dolphins or marine life, but to be Dana Scully. I cut a lot of my hair off. And I started buying um, tight black pantsuits and using the Internet to make fake FBI badges. (laughs) My parents, they saw this devotion and thought, how can we turn this into something real and useful? Let's send her to forensic pathology camp at the University of Virginia. Being a kid who wanted to do autopsies for the government didn't make her very popular in middle school. And she was really hoping that she could reinvent herself at camp. Well, so I ended up being the biggest nerd at nerd camp. I thought that I would have pen pals after this, that we would keep in touch. Maybe we'd end up at college together, and it would be like, we formed a bond in middle school, and now we're in college, and then maybe we'll go on to have our crime-fighting careers together. Um, It didn't happen. But the middle school kids at Forensic Pathology Camp were still middle school kids. And her popularity took a hit when she didn't know who the Dave Matthews Band was. Looking back, she has some regrets. The main thing I learned is that it is exciting to think that you have the opportunity to reinvent yourself in a week for a bunch of strangers. But really what you should do is go into a situation and and be yourself and love whoever that is. And be obsessed with the thing you're obsessed with and don't apologize for it. Thanks again to Kelly for sharing her story. You can call us with yours. Or just to say hello. At 312-600-5638.
Logan Jaffe is a friend of Nerdette. She traveled back in time for her summer camp, but it wasn't Doctor Who camp. Is there Doctor Who camp? We'll, we'll Can look, I go? We'll look into that and get back to you. <laughs> Logan did spend a couple of summers in Johnson County, Tennessee. Pretending it was 1791. This is where I really want to make a party like it's 1791 joke. But so the whole setup it. and backstory behind this is you have the governor type guy, William Blunt, living in the house of William Cobb. And I am William Cobb's daughter, the eight or nine or ten year olds that I am. <laughs> <laughs> so does this mean you're like living in this house? I'm staying at my grandmother's house, but I go there every morning and I'm so okay. excited to go there every morning. <laughs> is there a costume? Oh, there's a costume. The costume is... Well, you're not familiar with 1791 traditional garb, <laughs> Trisha. I'm guessing there's some ruffles. Um, you have your petticoat, obviously, which is like your first layer, like your long skirt type dress. You have a mob cap, which is this. I mean, it's not necessarily a bonnet. I, I learned the difference between a bonnet and a mob cap. The mob cap is a little um, less formal than a bonnet, actually. Okay. The bonnet is like an upright visor or something. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know? no, I'm with you. I'm totally yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you had to wear like kind of old looking shoes. They're always some sort of like Birkenstock ripoff. <laughs> my, my shoes. And my name was Molly during Aww. all these. Because once you get a name, that's your name forever. Like if I were to go back and start volunteering there right now, my name would still be Molly. Do you ever think now like where Molly would be? I think she exists still up in that kid's room, really. <laughs> Apparently, there are a lot of girls who had played that role, you know, so there's a, there's a whole group of us. But it was fun. I mean, part of what I would do up in that room is there are all these old toys that would be, like, laying around the room that we have to show the visitors. They had the original versions of those, uh, like, cups with the stem on it that there was a string and there was, like, a ball attached oh. to that. And you had to, like, catch the ball that in the, the cups. That is the lamest game ever. Yeah, but, I mean, you have to get good at it. <laughs> It's totally lame. Greta, you just think it's lame because you're not good at it. I guess. If you're a pro like Logan. I mean, I got to the point where you can just, like, jerk it up there right quick and <laughs> You guys are missing her nice little wrist. It must all be in the wrist, right? <laughs> it's a quick motion. There is some elbow Bam. in there, too, I see. Oh, my goodness. Okay, wait. So describe more of this house. There's a kid's room. Like, what other elements mm-hmm. of colonial life? can people see when they walk around um there's the kitchen area which is super cool because kitchens in that time used to be separate from the house because if the kitchen if there's a fire in the kitchen it wouldn't affect anything else because you know everything was built out of wood it's an an old log cabin essentially it's a really fancy one though there's a blacksmith shop which is really cool i learned a lot of different ways to use corn (laughs) (laughs) on the cob estate (laughs) which oh (laughs) boy even when you're like sewing corn husk dolls you're not using we're not using needles from like target no (laughs) we're using some kind of like shrubbery around this little pond and they had thorns and we made needles out of thorns this isn't a gimmicky sounding thing like this sounds pretty legit in the realm of fake old tiny town in a post-apocalyptic environment you'd be fine is what you're telling me um because you know how to make needles you know how to do anything you can with <laughs> corn. Yeah, especially in the Midwest. You would do fine, You'd right? be fine. Um, yeah, I, I'd be okay. I'd have to brush up on my, like, <laughs> I'd have to get a little bit more violent, I think, if it were the apocalypse. It was so much fun, honestly. I feel like I learned all of these useless, <laughs> not useless, but just all of these skills I would never have learned elsewhere. <laughs> I think it gives you a perspective that you don't normally get when you're that age. This appreciation grows for, like, what is around you now. And, like, you start thinking back to the amount of, like, 
work and energy and like time and, and dedication and, and creativity that people had to just kind of do their everyday life things. And I think that now, I mean, we don't put as much creativity in dyeing clothes and whatever right. else we need, you know, so you get this real feeling of process. But I think getting it at that time in my life sure. is like really kind of frames the way I looked at a lot of things later on. If you have kids, are you going to make it a priority to make sure they mm. spend time in a place like that? I think it's really important, especially for like younger kids, to be able to feel like they're really connected to the things that they see and, and interact with in their everyday life and to actually feel like they are working and putting in like labor and like feel the intricacies of like what it takes just to kind of live in general. <laughs> so I, whether that's a historical reenactment camp or doing something outside or volunteering at a particular place or getting involved with the garden or, you know, something like that. I think it's really important. So so probably, yeah, but my kids aren't going to be the ones crying and, and throwing a whole fuss about it. So that's not, that's not going to be okay. Oh, so they're going to do it and they're going to like and it. And they're going to like it. <laughs> Logan is going to be an intense mom. Before we give you your homework, we've got another rant from our anxiety-prone intern, Claire. We do need to warn you, this segment is about the penultimate episode of Season 3 of Game of Thrones, so if you're not caught up, you might hate us. Or at least Claire. So, if you're avoiding Game of Thrones spoilers, skip ahead like three minutes. Reasons why Game of Thrones is giving me an anxiety disorder. Number one, it keeps killing off all of my future husbands. I realized that Rob and Khal Drago and Renly were all married and that Renly was into fellas. I get that. But marriage is about compromise. And I feel like we could have figured that out. But now they're dead, so it doesn't even matter. Great. Thanks. Game of Thrones. Number two. It keeps killing off all of the decent people in the Seven Kingdoms. Every episode, another good person gets killed and it just gets whittling down. And now there's just Samwell and Cassie from Skins running around the forest with some baby that probably should have died already because I don't think you can just like run around Siberia with an infant. There was a house and they could have stayed in the house and they left. <sighs> it's just not working out. Number three. It keeps letting me think that the Khaleesi is going to become queen and then being like, oh, yeah, guess what? She's like 90 billion miles away from where everyone else is. And even if she gets all these armies that she keeps getting, it's not going to matter because by the time she gets there, there's already going to be a new king. Ugh. And while we're on that topic, let's talk about how they keep making me think that the Khaleesi is going to fall in love after her moon and stars died. But then be like, no, just kidding. She's an independent albino woman. She doesn't need a man. And I get that she's the mother of dragons, but dragons need a dad. Studies show that children grow a lot better in a two-parent system. Number four, it keeps tricking me into thinking that someone's finally going to kill Joffrey, and then he keeps being alive! What the what, Game of Thrones? Somebody needs to get on that. Season finale. Prediction. Um, number five, it keeps making me think that Jamie is a good person, and then I keep wanting to like him, but then I have to remind myself that if you sleep with your sister, you ain't getting no love from me. Number six, it keeps making entire episodes without Peter Dinklage. Isn't there, like, a law against that? I feel like there's some sort of daily quota nutritional value of Peter Dinklage you're supposed to have. Isn't he, like, one of those bottom boxes on the food pyramid? Peter Dinklage grains. He's in there. I haven't looked in a while. Number seven. Oh, it keeps using actors from Downton Abbey and then confusing me about what show I'm watching. 
maybe Downton Abbey is like a communal dream that everyone in the Seven Kingdoms is having. <gasps> New fan theory. <laughs> and then finally, number eight, it makes me want to take up sword fighting all the time. And then I realize that I probably shouldn't be handling anything more than like a toothpick. And then I get really depressed. So thanks, Game of Thrones. My psychotherapist thanks you. That was our intern, Claire, who, as always, has a lot of feelings. All of the feelings. But now, it's time for homework. And, of course, catching up on Game of Thrones is a part of your nerd homework because Game of Thrones. Seriously. And also, I would recommend to you this week that you listen to Mitch Hurwitz on Fresh Air if you didn't catch it. It's a great interview, and you can even catch a little bonus clip that the Fresh Air folks put out on Tumblr and that we put on our Tumblr about the maybe George Michael relationship. So check that out at nerdappodcast.com. My homework for you listeners out there is to go see Much Ado About Nothing. I'm super excited about this. It's a Josh... Whoa. Oh, sorry, but you said Josh, and it's Joss <laughs> with two S's. It's like Liza with a Z is like Lisa with an S, but Lisa with an S goes snuzz. I am embarrassed. I feel like I can't ever be a podcaster again, by the way. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Joss Whedon, who I'm not even going to explain, because if you don't know who he is, then... Email us and we'll give you a lot of other homework. But if you're ready, go see Much Ado About Nothing. It should be really good. And now, as promised, Shannon Heffernan is going to teach us a Mormon camp song. I'm going to say a line and you'll say a line. Okay. Okay. Young folks, old folks, everybody come. Young folks, old folks, everybody come. Join the Mormon Sunday School and have a lot of fun. Join the Mormon Sunday School and have a lot of fun. Kindly check your Cheerios and raisins at the door. Kindly check your Cheerios and raisins at the door. And you'll hear some Mormon stories that you never heard before. And you'll hear some Mormon stories that you never heard before. Cheerios and raisins were a thing. Really? Yeah. You mean hamburgers, Adam. All, all the... I don't know what it is. Wait, it's a cultural thing. Ham- you put You put the raisins and the Cheerios and it's a hamburger. <laughs> Wait, but the Cheerios and raisins weren't allowed inside? Uh, that was in the song. <laughs> <laughs> check your hamburgers at the door. Thanks to Logan Jaffe, Kelly Jones, and Shannon Heffernan for sharing their camp stories. And congratulations to our intern, Claire, who we've promoted to associate producer. Perhaps one day she will be Khaleesi. BJ Lederman did not compose our theme. We would like him to. This is Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tanwen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.